It's just been snowing. Has it? Oh, really? Don't know what the weather's like in Tasmania. Oh, it's been like a hot, a hot 29 today, I reckon. Oh, God, a hot 29. Maybe that's exaggerating. Oh. I felt and like no, it. And no COVID either. A COVID-free hot 29. Oh, what I'd give. Uh. <laughs> Hi, folks. Welcome to Deceptively Clever, a history podcast that is casual about the truth. I'm Justin. John's on the line. And it is my delight to announce that we have another guest, Lil. Hello. Hello. <laughs> have you ever been on a podcast before? Uh, no, this is my first podcast. And I think first, first one. I can tell because I don't know why I was expecting your intro music to play <laughs> after, <laughs> after you started that, <laughs> which shows I'm a novice. <laughs> We're seconds in and we've disappointed you already. Um, the... <laughs> I just uh, need to lower the expectations, you know, let yeah. the... Let the post-editing uh, I think happen. we probably could do it but um, we've never tried weird lag would be terrible <laughs> with the computers yeah. as well <laughs> John does sing it sing it if we need to put a pause in somewhere John will sing it um, just so that you get the sensation <laughs> that would be nice actually yeah. would you like to talk about your excellent art now or at the end oh excellent art um, I don't mind we can talk about it I think neither <laughs> <laughs> Never? Is that an option? <laughs> for, the, for the listeners, Lil is John's sister. Older sister? Older sister, yeah. Older and Older wiser. Sister. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. <laughs> we, and, um, we've never met before, but I feel like I'm pretty familiar with your, with your movements and your work. But you have recently, is it in the last 12 months, you've started selling lino cut prints? Yes, I think, um, well, I sort of started printing... Um, a couple of years ago just as like sort of experimenting and then um, in lockdown obviously like everyone else sort of found myself with a lot of spare time so yeah sort of managed to set up and started selling prints in June or July Um, and yeah it's just sort of yeah been such a nice way to fill some lockdown time and just get a bit creative so yeah it's been good. (laughs) I mean is it a printing themed object? Is it what, sorry? A printing themed object. <laughs> um, no, it's not, but it's, it could be. There's, there's printing potential there, I would say. Yeah. Whoa. We'll see. That's mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> that is beautiful foreshadowing. Shadowing. So the <laughs> Instagram account is Lilybeth Prints and the Etsy shop as well? Uh, yeah, there's a link to the Etsy on there if anyone wants to buy any. Yeah, um, yeah thank you, Justin. I know you bought... Did you buy yourself some or...? As gifts, uh, I yeah, I bought myself two. Um, one was going to be a gift, but I haven't actually gifted it because I like it. <laughs> I have the problem of I don't have a house to put them in now, and I just feel like I need most of them. Um, <laughs> so I've got the the yellow door. Um, oh yeah, nice, sort of like, nice Edinburgh one. That's the one that I think of having my own house to put it up in. And I've got a spider plant oh, because I have this spider plant in my office, which I've sort of just kept alive. So one day when <laughs> I can move around and live somewhere else, I probably won't take the plant with me, but I will take the print. So that'll be like, oh. it'll be a home thing. And then I've got, yeah. I've got the moon, which, does that, do they have titles? They do, don't they? They, they do have titles. Yes. That one's called Luna. I was about to say that, but <laughs> I thought, I better just check on. I haven't invented that. 
Yeah, I, I really yeah. like them. I think it's excellent. Oh, thank you so much. It was very exciting posting them to Tasmania. They also got here <laughs> kind of incredibly quickly. Oh, really? And that's, it was... That's impressive. I've got the envelope here. There's no damage. Like, I don't know. I just feel like these, these have come a long way. And there isn't wow. even a crease really around the edges. That is impressive. Have you sent them, like... Because... Have you sent any others, like, across the world? Yeah, um, I sent one, I think I sent another one to Australia and one to uh, New York, Brooklyn, which was quite cool. Exciting. That's very cool. And there's been a couple in France and Germany, I think. Um, but yeah, it was funny because I, I had an order recently and I, I was sort of writing the address. And I was like, oh, the, the postcode's right near me. And it turns out it was like just around the corner. But I was like, oh, I'll just like put it in the post box anyway. Um and then she messaged me saying, like, thank you so much for the print, but it's arrived and it's like, the envelope's been like really bashed around, it's all damaged. And I was like, for God's sake, <laughs> it can't even make it like around the corner. So you've got, um, you've literally covered the globe with, exactly. <laughs> with shipping and you couldn't get it uh, a couple of blocks over in Edinburgh. I love it. Exactly, yeah. I, I just, yeah, I should have just like gone straight to the door. But the fact that I'd like probably walked further to the post box them to her house um put it in the post box it had gone through the whole system got completely trashed and it ended up there <laughs> so it was quite funny and we just went past 100 orders yeah i did <laughs> yeah which sort of yeah blows my mind because yeah it's just been such a nice like quite a therapeutic thing to do it's really uh yeah just so enjoyable and then to think that there's 100 little prints in people's homes is so nice <laughs> it's, it's the perfect lockdown activity it really is yeah it's completely um well, it's like a podcast it's really nice just to sort of like zone in and concentrate on that and um yeah it's good <laughs> although i've recently just um started a, a puzzle so now <laughs> i've got to balance my time between you know the full-time job the puzzle and the printing i just somebody's got to give have you gone with something <laughs> that gives you an indication of where the pieces go or like one of these absolutely insane just colour gradient puzzles. <laughs> yeah, it's not just like completely yeah. white or the baked beans one or something. No, it's um it's a nice uh, Parisian scene. Okay. There's a payoff to <laughs> there's a payoff to finishing it. Exactly. <laughs> that was delightful. Okay. Yeah, I, I really like your Instagram and I there's oh, not there's not so a huge much. following of the deceptively clever podcast just at the moment, but I hope one day there is just so that lots of people will hear hear this and go and have a look. Oh, thank you. And also, <laughs> I, think, I, I'm, Justin's, I think Justin's enjoying having a professional side of a podcast where he gets to interview someone about something. <laughs> no, I'm incredibly nervous because we've got a guest on who uh, is a talented person, and and I'm uh, sorry, sorry, Jack. <laughs> I offered, I offered to plug everything that Jack had, and Jack was like, "No, please do not." Yeah, that's, that's very true. I tried twice to get Jack even just to say his personal Instagram, and he was like, "No." But he did, he did say I was writing a book. So me that's and true. everybody else is just yeah. going to annoy Jack until we can read the book. Um, that's gonna, that's, that's gonna have a big payoff when maybe... we can return to his book. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he knows like. He's like, right, these guys are onto something good here. This podcast is going to be massive. And he maybe doesn't want to be giving out his personal Instagram account. He'll <laughs> end up with, like, thousands of followers. I think we actually... I haven't... Oh, uh, this Now it needs to become an episode. I haven't even tried to edit it yet. 
But we did talk about that. Like, John and I will... We like we'll have to deal with our fame very directly, whereas Jackal is going to become like a reoccurring guest in concept, but he will never be identifiable. But people in shops and cafes will just like hear his voice and look at him quizzically. Yeah. Um, we spent too many yeah. minutes talking about that for uh, for where the podcast is currently at. Um, on that note, I, as far as I, I know, what, really what we're going to do is. Lil's going to introduce an object for John and I to learn about with two true statements, one lie. Is that correct? <laughs> this is where Lil realises. What? Yeah. <laughs> what was I supposed to do? <laughs> oh, also, actually, you put some wonderful handwriting on Instagram doing some preparation, and then John managed <laughs> to use some formatting techniques on the stories, which I've never requested, but you've just, you just seem to have inspired him to. <laughs> to be slightly more creative. Oh, wait. What was the... What I literally you had your nice... Text. Yeah. You had your nice yellow block around your writing, and John's never done anything other than white-centred. Um, and I'm a very minimalist but rigid formatter of Instagram stories. Um, I was like, oh, all this time, John's been sharing my stuff. Nothing. You put some yellow blocks up, and John's into it. <laughs> it's because everything was white on that story, so I did yeah. Yeah. Make it stand out a little bit. No, it did. It looked good. I've never done that in the past. But there you go. Also, does it... <laughs> was that like hours of work, John, like testing out different backgrounds, yeah. you know, like colour boards? Watch the YouTube tutorial yours had run out. And... <laughs> um, yes. No, that was good. That was good. And that gave me some reassurance <laughs> that you were... A, well, assurance and secured that there was a podcast happening. Um... <laughs> yeah, I've got my statements in front of me. My handwriting gets significantly less neat as I've been scrolling. It was very, <laughs> scrolling it was very, very, very it was neat. Less, less Instagram yeah. <laughs> ready. <laughs> yeah, don't look at it. This is the secret behind it, it's Instagram. It's hard to film and it's write. Absolute chaos. My mine's never at its best when I'm trying to film it. Yeah, you've got very neat handwriting. Um, unique is what I say when people comment when they see my open <laughs> notebooks in a cafe. Um, <laughs> well, people would just walk past the cafe and just be like. Comment on your handwriting. You have no idea. I think it's because yours is like really fancy. Just, People are so nosy. Like... It's almost like I, like if I did it for attention, that would make sense. But I do not. Um, <laughs> I, I don't really. I'm not halfway through a page in a notebook and then hoping I'm about to have a conversation ever. You get those proper um, little notebooks as well, don't you? Just well, they field yeah. notes. Yeah. 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 I remember you explaining I, I, to me when you visited in Kendall. We had quite a long conversation about field notes, notebooks. I'm sorry about. I'm sorry about that. Um, <laughs> well, that's very interesting. You kind of don't get a choice with me. I, I'm a little bit of an enthusiast. <laughs> that's a nice thing to be enthusiastic about. I don't think it's harmful. Well, I mean, it costs a lot of money. It's entirely ridiculous. <laughs> Arguably, it's unnecessarily destructive to the planet, considering I have already destructive technology that could record the thoughts. But look, if that's the worst I'm doing. You know, so be it. <laughs> Gotta find some enjoyment in life, you know. Exactly. Right. Okay. We get into is your some, search uh... engine ready, John? Because yes. mine is. Okay. Are we ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready to search. I feel very um, professional Good. being part of this. Good. That's the first time. <laughs> okay. Ever so hang, hang on to that <laughs> as yeah. we go, as we move forward. Remember <laughs> yeah. what that felt like. Uh, <laughs> we haven't even. Uh, yeah. Okay. No. 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 We need to stop. We need to stop. I have heard you are. I've heard you're an oat milk drinker. Is that correct? Me? Yes. 
It's true. Oh. The rumours are true. Finally. <laughs> Finally. John, John kept it from me while I've been talking about oat milk on every single episode. I think he kept it from me until episode 19 or something. And then just casually <laughs> dropped that that's why he had tried oat milk. What if I started drinking yeah, almond I, milk? I heard a little mention of the, the Christmas oat milk drinking. Hmm. Um, and yeah, I was John's provider. What if, <laughs> I was his supplier. What if supplier I started of the drinking oat. almond milk? Is there like a hierarchy to these other milks? Like... Yeah, but everything has its use and suitability, um, in my opinion. Is there one that's like trash, mm. that's not just regular milk? Uh, I think coconut's the most overrated by people who like coconut, but I think almond's the most overrated generally. I'm going to start drinking almond milk. What? Yeah, I'm not a massive fan of almond milk. It, it doesn't do anything well. It's horribly unsustainable compared to oat, in my opinion, as a non-scientist. But people just love it. It's just established itself. Although I have to admit, I'm, I'm not a coffee drinker, so I can't really participate in any coffee. Right, right, right. What are you, slash what you doing with the oat? Milk and coffee conversations. Just straight out of the carton. Oh, straw. What? Straw in <laughs> the carton every morning. But you're just drinking um, Oatly, Oatly Blue Label, <laughs> just on its own. <laughs> no, I would have it um, on cereal oh, yeah. and, and on in porridge, but then also I'm like... I'm just, you know, does that make me just obsessed with oats? I'm double oats. Oat on oat. I call it oat squared. <laughs> so um, oat squared. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do it. Sprinkle that's a good, like, that's I do a good uh, cafe name for, like, somewhere that does specifically oat milk stuff. Mm. Don't worry, I've thought yeah. about it. Um, you have an oat milk hot chocolate, though? I do like an oat milk hot chocolate. Okay, yeah. so you're using it in a, a range of contexts. Yeah, and quite a lot in cooking now, actually. Oh, yep. Oh. Yeah, which is um, which is good. And baking. This is just just again turning it into an oat milk podcast. <laughs> Are you after some sort of like sponsorship deal? That would just be. Just it is. Yeah. Um, that would be ideal. I want almond milk to sponsor us. <laughs> you need to big it up a bit more, then, John. Almond milk. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Was that you big it up? What's your tagline? Like, I've got a few, but. The future is oat is the one I use the most. What are you going to do with your almond milk? Almond is the future. You ca- you can't do that. <laughs> it's clearly not. Firstly, <laughs> um, you can... almond milk doesn't cost you an almond a leg. Oh, oh god! I was really trying to think of a pun, and then that. I'm glad <laughs> actually. I'm glad I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> I like that. Right, we got so close to googling something then. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fine, we're only 22 minutes in. Primed and ready. Yeah. ready. Let's go. Okay, are you ready? Yeah. Um, if you could please type in Fiam Mummy Portraits. Um, and Fiam is spelt F A I Y U M or F A Y U M? F A Y U M. Yeah, or F A I Y U M. Mummy Portraits. Either. Yeah. Ah, yes. So this is, I guess, more of a collection of objects than a single object. Is that allowed, or have I just completely shattered the? Uh... Oh no! Any in, any interpretation of object is allowed. <laughs> Literally, the only limit we put on it is that it can't be a living person, and I don't even know why we decided that. To be honest. Yeah. Oh, okay. So these were living people. Oh God. All right, get out. No, we've had we've had a we've had a dead body. Um. You have had a dead body. Yeah. yeah. Body in the box. We haven't real, we haven't technically had an animal, but we've pretty much had an animal. We've had, uh, we've had buildings. <laughs> we've had, yep, 
A building's an object. I don't care what you say. We've had natural stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so any anything anything goes. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I'll I tell you what definitely goes, portraits. Yeah, <laughs> you're oh, absolutely fine. Great, top of the list. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. So I can see some pictures of people. Oh, I can see one so, that looks like it's painted onto a mummy. Yes. So these are um, portraits from the Greco-Roman period in uh, Egypt. Um, so this was sort of like 2,000 years ago. Um, and basically when the Greeks and Romans were um, in Egypt and there was this huge sort of like mashup of cultures um, and basically one of the practices they started adopting was having these like incredibly detailed lifelike portraits but then also using the traditional ancient Egyptian mummy like wrapping techniques. Um, so people would die and then they'd sort of have um, be mummified in a way um but instead of the sort of traditional <clears throat> like you would imagine ancient egypt stylized uh faces and portraits they would have these like incredibly realistic almost renaissance style um roman portraits they're quite intense looking yeah they are they are quite intense they're just sort of like staring um, back at you so i i chose this object because my um full-time job is a museum and exhibition designer um and we have got an exhibition at the moment called um, Golden Mummies of Egypt, uh, which is a collection from Manchester Museums. And they've got a lot of these style portraits, which are just like incredible. And it's really bizarre to sort of, because I, I think everyone sort of obviously associates ancient Egypt with things they learned about in school. But then I feel like you don't really hear much about this sort of short time period where there was huge influences from the Romans and the Greeks. There's definitely like um, an emphasis on pyramids and Egyptian gods and all this stuff and not much stuff yeah. later on because there's some of these in the National Museum as well. Um, yeah, exactly. And I had, I don't know that much about Egypt except what I learned at school. I had so little knowledge about the influence of like Greco-Roman stuff. So mm -hmm. it's a great object because these are very interesting. Yeah, that's good. I know, I feel like in, because it's, it's part of the UK or English school curriculum, I feel like everyone learns about ancient Egyptian. Yes. <laughs> but it's a lot of like, um, pulling the brains out the nostril and like wrapping someone in toilet paper <laughs> <laughs> to make a mummy. <laughs> Which I, I think is I historically anyway. accurate, isn't it? <laughs> I'm glad. I was about to say as an Australian, I feel like I missed out because we did not deal with these things. But that is exactly the kind of stuff I had heard as well. So um, it turns out me throwing balls of paper at a bin instead of actually learning things wasn't too much of a loss. <laughs> yeah, halfway there. So with the process of being person dies, painter comes in, gets a look at them, starts working on a sketch or working off other source material are they just given a bit of liberty how realistic do you think um, the people depicted are well that's actually in one of my statements oh really it's always fun when we ask a yeah. question too early oh I'm, yeah I, to be honest i'm so happy that i was able to ask a question that was in any way relevant and not, stu not yes. entirely stupid so. very intelligent um, i don't even care if i get a point now um yeah 
Fantastic. Okay. Um, should I dive, should I go into the statements then? I feel like that... we could probably do. Yeah, absolutely. Statement one. Enough background. So, statement one. This is very exciting. Um, it is thought that the picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde was inspired by the portrait. Oh. Um, statement two. Um, so, uh, one of the archaeologists who was a big sort of excavator and um, did a lot of work with these portraits and brought a lot of them back to the UK it was called uh, Flinders Petrie. Um, and he would give the portraits um, personalities and character traits. That's my second statement. And statement three is evidence suggests that all the portraits accurately portray the deceased, which is sort of your question, Justin. Yes, I'm glad you didn't answer that because that would have made (laughs) uh, this show very different. Um... (laughs) I will just say in my scrawly handwriting, it looks like I've written Dorian Gravy. So. (laughs) Dorian Gravy. Oh, I love that book. (laughs) That recipe yeah. book. Yeah, so they're, they're my statements. Okay, very good. Got a good range there. I was saying to John, I'm, I'm glad that this isn't like a like a video call because I don't think my poker face would be very good. <laughs> I was thinking about that today because it eventually <laughs> should be streamed uh, with video as well as audio and put on YouTube, but that really complicates the lying, I think. <laughs> I know, I feel like you'd just be staring at the person as they read out their statements. As they're like, Actually, John and I played poker once and it did not go well for John. So I'm a, I'm a lot better now, I swear. Right, okay. You've had some... Yeah. Your literal poker faces is not good, John. Is that right? Yeah, I start, I start just winking. Is that true? I think it was the peer pressure Sweating. that was probably the issue. Um, <laughs> we were not nice people, Jack, Jack and I. My voice gets very high-pitched. Oh, all in (laughs) although saying that actually I once um I remember going to a uh I used to work at a restaurant and we had like a Christmas do um and there was like 14 15 of us there or something and we played like you had to tell two truths and a lie and everyone had to guess the lie um I can't remember what my two truths were but my my lie was that I nearly got on um do you remember that program million pound drop oh yeah with Davina McCall I think it's called to be like ten thousand pound drop or something now. They've like massively lowered the oh. budget. Um. Anyway, my my lie was that I was almost on that, so I like started to tell this really elaborate story about how I went through all the audition processes and, um, you know, like got to meet Davina McCall, the presenter, <laughs> and all this sort of stuff. Anyway, apparently I was so convincing that everyone thought that was the true, like the true story. Ah, so we're we're, we're um, working with a skilled liar here. Yeah, so when they found out it was a lie, I just felt absolutely terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was like, oh, it's such a good lie. It's like dominate, dominating just... the whole evening. All everyone wants to know is Lil's experience with nearly a pound drop. And then you have to go, yeah, exactly. I actually made it all up. <laughs> <laughs> the mood's just killed, isn't it? Like, the party's just ended. Go home, everyone. Yeah. Like, there's no I just get, like, kicked this. out. I get fired. How dare you betray us like this, Lil? It was the game. <laughs> I think I maybe just started to believe my own lie. I was like, did I make a million call? <laughs> did I win a million pounds? <laughs> did I win a million pounds? I love the audacity of just dropping three excellent statements and then flexing on uh, lying experience. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm literally the perfect guest, guys. Yeah, you're like, yeah. Back oh, every I'm week. glad it's not a video call because I would destroy you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> To be honest, 
was I would love for the guest scoring account to get opened this evening with a point and then just like have John get really stressed that occasional guests are gonna outscore him. Um, so I'm fine with that. I really yeah, am okay. It's gonna overtake overtake. Yeah. That's how it works. If the guest if we don't guess them, the guest gets a point. Yeah, if we both get it the wrong guest then the um the guests the guests collectively get a point. Um, and you're only on three, so you know. Ooh. Catching up. <laughs> what will end up happening is I, all I want is to get Lil back because I know that you know you're not going to get the point, and uh, <laughs> the, the guests will catch up. No, I am really stressed. Jack's had a couple of opportunities. He didn't quite deliver. Um, I'm sure he's regrouping at the moment. <laughs> I think Jack probably okay. has like ten objects ready. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we go have a look at statement one? Yeah. So statement one is, um, it's thought that the picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde is inspired by the portrait. So do you want to tell us what the story of Dorian Gray is very quickly? <laughs> the story of Dorian Gravy or Gray? Uh, Dorian Gravy. Did you go Gray? Okay. Um, so Dorian Gray, um, I know less about this one than the Gravy one, um, is a Gothic novel published in 1890. And basically, I think the story is that... Um, Dorian Gray has a portrait painted of himself and people sort of marvel at how like beautiful and perfect and amazing it is and he sells his soul so that he can stay um, youthful forever um, but in turn his portrait ages um, and he lives this sort of like um, I think he like lives quite a bad life and he's like uh, sinning all the time and his portrait sort of takes on those those sins um, and ages and then I'm not entirely sure what happens at the end I think I think he destroys the portrait or something and then he or he stabs the portrait and then people find this really old man stabbed so he is like all of a sudden gone he's from aged. this useful person to this aged man and he's sort of killed himself um, so that's the story <laughs> so uh, just a little retroactive big spoiler alert for a picture of Dorian Gray. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's too late to say spoiler alert now, isn't it? Um, okay, I can now 100% see how that would have been inspired by some mummy portraits. So I think uh, there was an exhibition of the portraits um, in the Egyptian Hall in London and I think, like, circumstantial evidence uh, suggests that he might have been there, or at least he at least sort of knew it was on. I guess he was maybe in the area at that time. So when did he write um, Dorian Gray? 1890. 1890. And the um, portraits started getting excavated, I think, in 1888. When was... In... There was like a... I suppose it was probably 19th century when Britain was obsessed with Egypt, wasn't it, as well? So I feel like these things would inspire a lot. <laughs> yeah. Especially, I guess, because um, like this was like an annual thing by Flinders Petrie, the archaeologist. He would just like go over to Egypt, rip a load of stuff out, take what he wanted back to the UK, put it on show, um, and everyone would sort of come and come and see it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely sort of um, the to acknowledge that lots of these things were just taken by more powerful colonial people. So it's like not particularly <laughs> yeah, exactly. What was I reading the other day? I think like Alec I think it was Alexander Fleming who started the mummy like horror story imagery. 
Oh, not Alexander Fleming. Ian Fleming. Someone. But it was like this. Which um, which is, <laughs> which is the Fleming out of? Oh no, that's Flamel, out of Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Alexander Fleming? I don't know. What am I going on about? Who's the one in Harry Potter? I'm more than happy to work stone. Nicholas Flamel into this. No, that's fine. With <laughs> oh, me. Nicholas Flamel. Yeah. Okay. That's definitely. <laughs> I can. I could see how he must have been involved on some level. Um, <laughs> with this situation. I was um, listening to your previous podcast and um, what? why don't you like Harry Potter 4? That strikes absolute fear into me. <laughs> I was listening to your podcast. Uh, why don't I like 4? As, as a story, I feel like it's in a very unnecessary way to get to the point we had to get to, which was the graveyard. But I also had no time for wasting what could have been a year of adventures in Hogwarts dealing with all of these other people coming in and ruining. All I wanted as a child was the escape to Hogwarts. Like, I kind of wanted more chapters where nothing happened and we just went around and went to classes mm. and went to Quidditch. And I felt robbed of that. Um, and I think then also Order of Phoenix comes along and Umbridge ruins it. So I'm like, Jesus Christ, can I just have a year at Hogwarts, please? <laughs> so you just want, like, the mundane... Yeah. You know, like watching students writing out their spells or whatever. Yeah, I was happy to go. I was happy, happy to, like, that. have a, a big important climax. Like, we certainly got there with Half-Blood Prince, but we got some Hogwarts as well. And I'm sure that a psychologist would have something to, to say, because I used to have the same issue with uh, the, I don't know, what the TV shows like Coronation Street. So Australia has Home and Away. I was like, for God's sake... Mm -hmm. When I was I love home a young kid, my family would watch it before I realised I didn't have to sit there and watch it. I was like, can we just have, like, a few episodes that are not constant teasers for more drama? Um, and that was a reoccurring, <laughs> a reoccurring theme. Luckily, now we're in the age of content. There is just so much boring nonsense that uh, I, don't, I don't suffer for that need anymore. Also, <laughs> the fourth film I really did not enjoy. As you probably listened... Two, I don't need to go into it again. The haircut on Harry was not acceptable. The budget of that film oh, yeah. would have at least catered for like a third year hairdressing apprentice. My, uh... could have fixed that situation. I'll be really honest. I reckon Emma Watson could have fixed that hair situation if someone had just given her some scissors. But instead they let it go and I don't know why. My lockdown hair that... is starting to resemble a, a fourth year Hogwarts student. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it really is. I can't. Yeah. So I take personal events. I don't. You don't really post selfies, do you? I can't really imagine. I can't. I guess I can't imagine that. But uh, yeah, it's getting pretty it's long. Also, pretty I, short and neat when I've seen you. Yes. I just said that both <laughs> Alexander Fleming and Ian Fleming wrote a mummy story, and that's not true for either of them. Um, <laughs> Alexander Fleming is the guy who made who invented penicillin. Ian Fleming is the James Bond guy, and it was Arthur Conan Doyle who wrote a mummy story. <laughs> Oh, oh, I didn't know that. Well, there we go. It's the first story where someone revives a mummy. Um, oh. And that was also oh. 1892, so same time as... Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, It's all happening. I read about that the other day, and I felt like I really had to say that, but then I just started talking about the inventor of penicillin, so um, <laughs> I, I apologise. <laughs> you had the outline, you just... You just yeah. There was a couple of details that needed sharpening up. I that's okay. pieces. I'm sure editor Justin will really pull that together for you, John. And I'll thank Justin in advance. <laughs> Me too. 
I mean, okay. um, we should return yes, to the statement. <laughs> I'll tell you what, uh, Lily, you're more than on board with the tangent, and that's a good thing. Um, <laughs> I feel pretty, pretty good about statement one. Is there anything that you feel like needs mentioning that hasn't been mentioned? Um, I feel like the, I feel like the logic is very clearly there. Where you've got have we got someone immortalized in a portrait? Insistence in what way? That that actual people whose job it is to figure this stuff out believe this is the case, or did someone come up with an idea that it was in um, that the book was inspired by the mummy? Um, no, actual people believe. Right, believe people, this. yeah, yeah, people who look into stuff. Okay. Statement two. In this one, Flinders Petrie would give the portraits personalities and character traits. Um. And this was often not based on, on anything. Um, so he called one of the portraits um, the mother, and there was no evidence that she had children. <laughs> um, other ways he described these portraits, um, he named one, or he sort of described one male portrait as scraggy. Scraggy? <laughs> scraggy, yep. A bit hard. And... Um, <laughs> Another woman as tolerably, tolerably good-looking and evidently thought herself still more so. Even in um, death, he couldn't help but objectify somebody. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It was often, I think, more about the, the sort of female portraits, and I think one of them he sort of said, like, she wouldn't, she wouldn't look out of place in a drawing room. Oh. Um, <laughs> that becomes like, no, so, yeah, more creepy if he's doing it mostly for the female portraits. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. He's like another scraggy man. <laughs> the, the Look at this beautiful woman. Scraggy, <laughs> scraggy man to take away my beautiful women. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you would like attach some personality to them. Maybe not in the creepy way that he did, but like especially if you have their like body as well. You'd want to sort of try and work something out and if you have no evidence you'd make it up, wouldn't you? Do you think he was trying to build hype? <laughs> Maybe. For the exhibition. Early hype man. He was like, what yeah, these... like, you've got to see this scraggy man. What these <laughs> <He's so scraggy. laughs> dead bodies with an already relatable face need is more human relatability. I'm going to give them all the backstory. Yeah. <laughs> Although, sadly, um, uh, they would remove a lot of the portraits and just sort of discard of the, the mummies. So I think oh. there's about a thousand um, portraits and a uh, hundred are still attached to mummies. Oh, really? So a lot of the time they would just take off the portrait and, and sometimes Flinders Petrie would take the, the skull as well to study, but the rest of it he was like, oh, I'm not bothered. <laughs> they literally had, like, no respect in there. <laughs> like, not an ounce of conservation <laughs> in their entire like, bodies. Just, oh, my God. I can't, I can't yeah, remember his name. Just rip off the face, grab the skull, and, yeah, the rest can just... I can't remember his name, but there was one archaeologist in Egypt who basically did a fantastic job because what he did was he'd just go into the tomb, he just wouldn't move anything and would, like, take accurate drawings, whereas everyone else was just, like, trashing the place and taking what they could and all this stuff. It's like, it took a while for people to realise that they should deal with these things with some, like, <laughs> level of patience <laughs> and respect. But there you go. He led the way then. I know, yeah. Was this guy selling the collection to museums and private collectors? Um, I think so, probably. God, I just um, feel like you'd get more for the whole package. Like maybe shipping costs too much. I think was wasn't Fl maybe Flinders Petrie wasn't he like sponsored to go out and bring stuff back? Ah, uh, right, yeah. He's just doing his job. 
but I know that a lot of museums did that um, because they wanted they wanted objects from Egypt for themselves basically. Um, so a lot of places would sponsor people to go out and bring stuff back, basically just to take as much as they can. <laughs> yeah, so I think some of the um, sometimes these sort of wealthy people would have uh, sarcophaguses in their uh, sar- sarcophagi. What's the plural of that? Sarcophagi. But they would have them uh, in their homes and they would just sort of like lean it up against against the wall. So sometimes when they've done like CT scans of these um, mummies in the sort of modern day, the mummy inside is just like Mm. completely squished and like (laughs) the spine is just like... Oh, God. um, Yeah, sort of sunk down to the bottom. Bounced around up some stairs and then just... Length exactly. vertically. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, next to the grandfather clock. What a sad thought. I know. Basically, became fashionable to have some Egypt objects. Yeah. Can I get something like irreplaceable, and then can I just destroy it? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, again, I kind of, I kind of like. It. I don't think I could help but give give some backstory if I was just hanging around with them. I'm not sure I'd take the the line or the direction that he's gone in, but it feels it feels very plausible. <laughs> I think there's also maybe a way of like like telling them apart. Um, That's true. I guess they didn't have like an effective sort of cataloging technique. Yep. <laughs> so they know like that's the extra good looking woman. Yeah, or... old Scraggy over there. Don't forget him. <laughs> <laughs> we packed Scraggy. Yeah, he does a little register for them as he's packing them up. Yeah, we could like line them all up, like they're in a classroom. So if we still got a thousand identified portraits, of which a hundred are still attached to something like a mummy? I'm not actually sure. Um, In the exhibition that we did, uh, I should shout out Nomad Exhibitions, the company I work for. (laughs) Um, I think there was, oh God, I can't remember now, maybe, I think there was nine of the panel portraits and then we had two um still attached to mummies okay yeah and that's the manchester collection um i think they i think they maybe have more but some of them can't some of them are so like delicate because they're on like really really thin pieces of wood so yeah they're sort of yeah very fragile so you design the or part of designing the space in yeah the so exhibition? we des- design the exhibition yeah so yeah one of my jobs was sort of planning out where all the objects would be um positioned and uh it's a it's a touring exhibition so how we were sort of gonna um travel and rebuild the cases and all that sort of stuff as well so that's very very cool we are you there like do you watch them move them into place uh yes i so the first venue for this one was um in buffalo in new york so i got to go out for the I sort of saw the end of the um, the install and then the sort of start of the object install, um, which was really cool. Uh, yeah, the objects are are amazing. Um, but yeah, it's quite it's quite creepy sort of being in that space with with the mummies. <laughs> yes, uh, oh, that is all very cool. Um, was there ever a quiet I... moment where it was just you and a mummy in the room? Um, yeah, there was. So, 
Um, a lot of the time, if, when there's sort of objects in the space, there can only be like a certain number of people, like the conservators and stuff, because obviously a lot of these things are quite precious. So yeah, there'd be mornings where we'd be sort of outnumbered by mummies oh. <laughs> in the gallery. And there was one morning actually where I'd, I'd gone down to Manchester museums to look at some of the objects um, and sort of talk about how we were going to display them. I think it was like first thing in the morning or something. They're like, oh yeah, come in, come in. So we like went in and saw the mummies and they were like, right, we've got to just move these two upstairs. So they put the mummies in the lift on these like trolleys and then they were like, oh, come in. So it was like no, no two thanks. mummies. Oh, okay, I'll catch <laughs> me, the next one. Me and someone else in this lift. And obviously it's like not massive. So we're like squished up against these mummies. Oh my God, it's very, like if you find lifts stressful, then it's like lifts plus Did you ever hear some... two oh. <laughs> 2,000 year old dead bodies. Ever hear some suspicious <laughs> The lift just breaks down. Yeah. That is, the, that is the part in the movie where things start happening and it doesn't yeah. end well for the people in the lift. Exactly. They have to, like, they have to yeah. like climb up to the top of the lift in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your, yeah. Entire, your entire role in the film up until this point had to be get people to connect with you so that they were impacted when you're torn to shreds by a mummy. And you suddenly realise this. I'll take the stairs, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, How much stress is there in the room when people are moving things like this? I cannot imagine doing that for a job. Um, Yeah, well, I I mean, it's never... Well, I sort of avoid touching any object Mm -hmm. because obviously... Correct. um, There's only certain (laughs) curators who who would be handling things. But with things like the mummies, they... um, they're obviously quite heavy, um, so they need sort of like four people to to lift them and, and get them in the case, which um, is nerve-wracking. And just because of like the nature of the materials and stuff, some of them, like they just sort of shed dust and things and they're, they're just so fragile. Um, so yeah, it is a bit tense. You, you haven't made tense. me less stressed about this um, <laughs> no, from I, that. I don't think I actually can. <laughs> no. If anything, I can just make you more stressed. So are the people it. who do it just... Like, this is just what they do every day. Like, I always think this with people who preserve paper when they're dealing with... They're putting in liquid. And I'm like, oh, this seems like a bad idea to me. And then they just say in the YouTube video, this is what I do every day. It's fine. I know what I'm doing. Um, uh, uh, do they, people just get pretty casual about it? Um, well, I, I guess so. Like, the, um, yeah, I guess the conservators and curators um, are just so experienced. I mean, I guess that just comes with... Yeah, working, dealing with a lot of different objects and different materials. Yep. Yeah, we, we, had, yeah. we had a talk with a, a talk with a paleontologist once, and he was talking about um, working with fossils and like dinosaur bone, and obviously they're very like precious things that you have to handle very carefully and all this stuff. But he's always really interested in how heavy they are because they are just like basically stone, and people never realise that that like a dinosaur bone is going to be this incredibly weighty thing. So he said that he was just like letting kids hold it and stuff like this because then they get a chance to like see how heavy it was so i think i feel like there's probably some some who could bend the rules slightly maybe a bit more casual with it <laughs> i feel like that would stress you out though just oh, i'll be honest with you when you said and then they let the kids touch it i'm like nope I, you know, education education is important but we can have replicas for this kind of thing <laughs> yeah it's not that important also my brain just went straight to covid and let's not pass things around the room when children are involved ever again. That'd be um, annoying if you caught COVID off a dinosaur bone, wouldn't it? Oh, that's a that's a sun headline. Yeah. Is the sun still a paper? <laughs> this dinosaur gave me COVID. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Where would the the woman would be from? Five ways in Birmingham. That's where the woman's from. 
<laughs> what are they known for like in licking dinosaur bones? Uh, I would have said no, but now that you've said it, maybe, yeah. So it's on headline writes itself. <laughs> like I don't think there is a a sort of gateway to the other world in Birmingham, but that's where I reckon the gateway is if there is Well there's five ways to go from there, so Exactly. <laughs> maybe the sixth. The sixth dimension. Sixth dimension. We've come a long way from Flinders Petrie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, should we go on to the third statement? Okay, third statement. Um, evidence suggests that all portraits accurately portray the deceased. Um, so I think when they've done um, CT scans and things of the mummies, they've often found that um, in terms of sort of dimensions and measuring skulls and things, that all the portraits are quite, well, would have been as accurate as they as they could be. Um and so, for example, if, if someone died of, a, of an illness, they've sort of been captured showing that illness and that's sort of been, been portrayed in the portrait as well. Oh, right. Um, so they show sort of... Because I guess, I guess in history... So I just think of... Is it Elizabeth I who had, like, smallpox? Yeah. But all her portraits were obviously, like, porcelain skin and yeah. all this sort of stuff. But I think these were more... Um, Trying to just like exactly portray the person as they were. It was it was Oliver Cromwell who demanded that he have a portrait made that depicted him accurately, <laughs> which is why he yeah oh, really? which is why he looks like people remember that he's got warts and things basically. <laughs> oh god! But, uh, yeah, because I was going to say I thought this would be a given that they accurately portray it, but obviously not if people want to be remembered nicely. But I suppose in this the case, thing that made me think of it is the Shakespeare bust. And all of the images we have of Shakespeare really come from this one thing that a person who probably didn't see him made, or something like that. I don't know the actual story. Oh, really? I'm not a historian. I didn't know that. Yeah, there's a thing in the church, the Holy Trinity Church in Stratford-upon-Avon, and that's sort of where the image of Shakespeare that we have comes from. I think there's a sketch as well, but it's like Mm. they made a bust from a sketch, and we have no idea whether the person who made the sketch had seen him. I don't know. Check your own oh. facts, people. Don't listen to an idiot in Tasmania. That's what made me think of it. Like, <laughs> on a history podcast. Not even... <laughs> <laughs> casual about the truth. Very, casual very casual. Truth. Need yeah. a disclaimer. Yeah. yeah. Um, we need a warning bell for when I'm about to say something that I feel like might be a, might be a thing. Yeah, so that's what made me ask the question initially. Not, mm-hmm. not even just did the family or did the person control what they were going to look like even just had the artist seen them, or you just brought in to paint a portrait, and you're like, oh, it's a woman, she was 30, she had dark hair, go for your life, mate. <laughs> so I think they were still, I think they were done when they were alive still. Okay. Um, but they, they might, I think they had like, um, they would maybe have portraits at various stages of their life. But then I think maybe if someone was a bit ill, they would come in and, and do the portrait pronto. They'd be like, oh, God, it's not looking good. They're looking a bit peaky. Oh, you're just sitting there. The like portrait artist in. Your, doctors, your doctor and your family are like, no, no, it's fine, mate. You're going to be you're gonna be golden. And there's an artist just <laughs> yeah. sitting in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need to get my green paint. What's he doing here? It's fine. It's just for your, it's just for your Christmas card. Oh, green paint, that's good. <laughs> why have yeah, you got toilet um... roll? <laughs> <laughs> what's that yeah oh did they go in boxes they didn't go in boxes did they oh this one's in a box actually 
I think probably. I was going to say there's a box, a box maker in the room, but probably not. <laughs> yeah, why don't you just lie in this coffin while you're feeling a bit unwell? <laughs> Saves us a job. You know, grandma's hip's not good. Like, you know, help us out, mate. <laughs> yeah. Your brain would fall out into this jar. That would be the worst thing, I suppose. <laughs> I think I'm trying to. Now I'm trying to work out which I think is a lie before. <laughs> I'm going to lock in one huge, huge call. I'm doing it out of respect because I have absolutely no idea. Your, your <laughs> lie was effective. Um, I was going admit... God, maybe I'm a good liar. This is I was like going to lock in worrying. three. Okay, so we're both happy to just get our choices. That yeah. Three was the other one that I was going to go with. There the was only reason the two. Think... Yes, John? The only reason I think three is because I think that you would have it probably painted once in preparation, probably when you look pretty good. And then that would be your portrait ready to go. I don't think you'd have them updated. And I don't think you'd have them showing your ill. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, I mean, there is one have that's got some... Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> Spraggy. There's enough there for me to go... Oh, yeah, okay. Um, There's some ill people I... in there. <laughs> yeah. And that, I was kind of on that with three as well. Like, there was enough vagueness in three and... Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I would have no idea when they would paint these kind of things. And I think, so I feel I, I feel good for you, John. I feel like you've got one here, mate. I think Flinders Peachy was a bit weird, anyway, and I don't think he was. I don't think he was a particularly nice person, but I, I might just be making that up. So sorry, Johnny, of his relatives, but <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, he wasn't. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> True. <laughs> I wonder where we're going to rank him on, like, the public enemy list of deceptively clever. I don't... (laughs) He hasn't got... um, He's definitely not Edison level. Not Edison level. Not James the Sick. He's up there, though. No. We we don't know enough. We'll have to do an episode on him. He's bracket two. (laughs) (laughs) So you're both thinking that statement two is true. Yeah, I think statement two is true. The problem with statement two is, like, that's the one I could look at where you'd be like... Oh, these people have personality? Sure, this is an excellent statement. The thing that frightened me was how important this guy was to both of the first two statements, and therefore, if either of them is a lie, you wove them into the other one well. I think this sets up well for John. So why do you think one is a lie? I want to believe that Lil has read the book, looked at the objects, and just put that link together, and I'm sort of betting for the one that I hope is the lie. Yeah. against rationality, which, for anyone who's tolerated any of the episodes, isn't a strategy I like to go with, because <laughs> oh, I don't... It's not a safe play. It's kind of like... It's a hero shot from half court. But <laughs> also, I'll be, I'll be still be happy if it's true, because it sounds good. I haven't read the book. I think if I'd read the book, I would have more thoughts. Um, I think I really want and, one to be true, because I think I really like that statement. And yeah, 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 yeah. Which is going to be hard this is what I mean. just to get support. I'm going to be happy either way. And just while this might be the last time I get to say that I'm 6'3 in front. So <laughs> I'll just say that now. I'm really not stressed about points at the minute. I'm just stressed about uh, making it to the podcast recording on time. I will say, you can tell I was nervous because that is the quickest and closest John and I have ever been to starting the call at the time we've said we're going to start the call. It was, with, it was six minutes after, and geez, if we're ever inside half an hour. <laughs> well, you, you gave me an hour countdown. <laughs> Just yeah, I wasn't feeling good. I'll be honest, guys. My alarm went off at 5am this morning, and at about midday, I thought, 
I don't think I'm going to be able to have a conversation with any people, let alone two people. I think when we have um, guests on, it puts the pressure on to, to turn up because <laughs> there's someone else to annoy. <laughs> you do have to I'll, turn I'll, up. I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah that, that would be a bit awkward for me if I turned up, yeah. you know, thinking that you professionals are on time. I'm just <laughs> sitting here for half an hour. There's a lot wrong with that sentence. <laughs> um. Right, go on then, Lil. Do you want to... So, Justin, you're saying statement one is a lie? Lock in one, yep. John, you're saying statements three. Yeah. Okay. Right, can, can you can you rule out the first true statement? We'll do like a reverse countdown. Okay, so just statement two. Do you want the f- statement two is true? Statement two Ooh. is true. So that means one of John and I. Oh, really looks good for John at this so point. So someone's getting a point here. I'm disappointed. The guests someone's... stay on zero. <laughs> someone's losing out. Which do you want to know about statement one or statement three? Um... How do you feel, John? At this point, do you like? Would you switch now, John? No. Oh, I feel, Monty Hall problem. No, I feel pretty. I feel pretty happy with my choice. Yeah, you should. Yeah, you should do. You're sitting. You're sitting good. You reveal however you would like to re- reveal from here on out, Lil. <laughs> um, I think I just won't reveal. Just <laughs> leave you both hanging. <laughs> For the rest. Of the <laughs> That's the end of this episode. That's the end of the podcast. <laughs> We're never ever coming back here again. I'd love, I'd love a hard cut after that. I think I just want to reveal. Bring in the music. We just devastated one person in Utah and one person in Montreal have just just broken down crying. Sorry, Lincoln listener. Okay, so statement one is true. Yes, I get a point. So statement three is the lie. That was pure elation from John. It's been so long. <laughs> so I think we had, I don't know, did you have sibling advantage, John? Could you tell in no. my what? voice? What? <laughs> you don't think that you got desperate enough to bring on somebody you've known since your birth <laughs> to get a point? So chalk this up. Me and John have actually been playing this for years. Yeah. I say one, yeah, day, it's literally, one day I'll have a podcast. He's, he's paid you in a pack of M&Ms just to rig the game. <laughs> You think that's, that would be enough to buy me? <laughs> yeah, okay, so not, not going in for the M&M's. Because <laughs> <laughs> it would. So I should, I should just keep bringing on family members. One carton of oat milk and I'm... Here's what Justin loves. He loves if you list an, uh, an iconic book and draw a connection to the object. He'll definitely pick that one and then just make the lie three because he never guesses three. <laughs> and you've gone, look, mate, you're going to have to make it a family pack and it's going to have to be the mix-ups. I'm not coming in for some peanut. <laughs> I've got I've got four of the members of the Murray Laza household to uh, to buy me some points now as well. So yeah, this is this is an easy way to claw back points here, John. That's yeah. not fair. I don't have any friends. Although I don't think I don't I don't think Jake will root for me. I think he'll. Uh... Maybe like Jack, Jake, and I can form a coalition. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so I'm so happy with myself to get a point. It's finally six I'm four. I'm kind of feel like the. Sound you let out then, I can't wait to edit it. The sound you let out was just so much happiness. Um, yeah, so statement three, um, they were shown in their sort of, they were painted in the prime of their life. Because um, I guess it's the same principle as sort of preparing them for the for the afterlife. Um, so children were often, give, often given uh, adult attributes to sort of make them oh, wow. seem older um, and then one of the CT scans uh, so the portrait of the man is quite a slim young man 
um, but the C CT scans indicate signs of obesity, um, so things like that. I think there is a bit of debate because obviously they are a bit more realistic than the sort of Egyptian portraits, but yeah, generally it's probably not. I think I th like wholly. I accurate. think when there's so much that is like setting you up for like doing well in the afterlife, you're not going to give yourself like <laughs> boils so they won't let you in. <laughs> Good object, though. Thanks. Yes, excellent de debut performance. And I liked how it was linked to uh, to some interesting job stories. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be many. I was torn between that and... Because obviously we've done, like, University of Edinburgh projects before, so they've got some quite interesting objects as well. Well, there you go. That could be next time. I, I promise <laughs> to not look into any, just in case you're willing to give up <laughs> more hours of your time. <laughs> Oh, no, it's been great fun. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you. Very welcome. We didn't even discuss what, what we were drinking. I mean, we did discuss oat milk. Coffee again, John? Of course. Aeropress? Of course. Cow juice? Of course. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> did you have... I'm actually double, double parked this oh, morning. Oh, what you got? I've got a vodka. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, an apple juice, nice refreshing, and um, a mint and licorice tea. Oh, and what nice. now? Mint and licorice. They're oh, really good. Delicious. I can't yeah. imagine that being a thing, but also I can't imagine that that wouldn't be anything other than delightful. I don't know why. Yeah, because I, I don't like licorice sweets, but mint and licorice tea is just... It tastes, it tastes yeah, round. really refreshing. Is it a... Uh, you just drink it on its own? Not, not an oat milk situation? It's not as... Well, mm, don't know. Haven't haven't tried that, but um, I, feel... I just drink it drink it on its own. Yep. Is it very coloured? Once steeped. Um, it um, I don't it's know really. Just like gray. A, it just looks like a tea. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just looks like a tea. What have you got, Justin? Um, I also have an apple juice, but mine underwent a little bit of fermentation. It was made by he probably doesn't want to call my friend, but a guy who makes wine, who I go and annoy quite often. Um, <laughs> so I was opening it for <laughs> professional reasons. Um, mostly, but I've been quite enjoying it. It was low alcohol, which I thought was the right thing to do, considering I was a bit delirious as it was. And some good old water. Seeing as I'm asked this question every week, I should, like, maybe mix it up a bit, except it's, like, nine o'clock in the morning and I want a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what are the other options? Though? I don't think... Okay. I think at this point your choice is a constant, at least when we're recording at this time of day. The guest's choice is like a window into their personality. It's a nice little lead-in. We did not struggle for lead-in oh conversation, but that's why I like to ask it. That's and cool. mine, mine varies a lot because it's 9pm. Sometimes I have to get up early. Sometimes it's my end of my week. So, uh, yeah. But once we get back to me getting up in the middle of the morning, um, I'll have coffee every single time and I'll have oat milk every single time because oat is the future. Uh, and every day is oat day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then I, then I can. That's another good slogan. Then I can live uh, my things while I'm recording in the evening. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Cocktail hour for John. I think it's. <laughs> Once you catch up, I'm more what? than happy for you to be drunk when you're when you're recording. <laughs> I'm intrigued to know what my drink choices say about my personality. Loser. I don't. <laughs> John, I think we all knew that anyway. <laughs> I think, considering I didn't know about it, now that you've said it. The character in my head that is 
Lil could not have been more perfectly matched to <laughs> mint and licorice tea. Um, the universe seems in order. Wow. I don't, I don't know whether to sort of be happy or not. Well, you can't say that's not interesting, can you? Again, what does that, like, what does that like, tell um, us about Jack when he was having Weetabix and water? Oh, Jack. Oh, lost, <laughs> lost to the archives. That yeah. conversation will never, ever leave my head. Thankfully. Although, didn't you... I swear you used to eat Weetabix dry, John, when you were... Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, how it all went wrong. I think we need a fact check on that, but... Um... Did we have a family intervention? Like, what are you doing? I had, a, I had a friend who would ha- have loads of Weetabix and just a, a mug of milk, and he would dip his Weetabix in the milk and then eat them like that. Because you get to control... Oh, that's quite savvy, actually. You control the level of absorption. Don't mind? Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. dicky. Oh, of course it was. It, <laughs> it would be dipped with a level of smugness. <laughs> he could both eat... Tw- he yeah. could eat 23 Weetabix slash Weetabix, um, and he'd figured out the best way to do it. It's very true. What would he have... 23 mugs of milk lined up. I reckon it's like... No, I think you could probably get a few in a mug. <laughs> eight to a mug, I reckon. Just at a guess. Eight to a 23 mug? 23 mugs. Ugh. That'd be <laughs> so, so annoying to wash up. Like speed eating so content. annoying get to wash three, up after I reckon you'd get three mugs would get you through the full 23. Nah. You'd, you need more mugs than You that. don't reckon? I think you're... I think a, way, way more mugs. People always think a Weetabix is bigger until you actually hold one. I... I <laughs> The mug I'm thinking of, anyway. I'm thinking of like the, um, the Pritchett's house-shaped mug that we we both had, John. Yeah. Um, like not a small mug. I reckon. I don't know. I don't want to do the test because I don't want cow juice in my mugs. But because if you do a quick dip, you're not getting that much milk on it, are you? Even even if you left it in a bit, I don't think it would absorb. I mean, obviously, you need the level to be high enough that you can dip properly. So you probably wouldn't empty the mug yeah. entirely. You'd be topping it up. Yeah. God, what a... S- yeah. I know we've talked this up, and then what a sad sight to see someone just sitting with a pack of wheat bix a, a pitcher of milk and a mug, and just, like, going about that situation. Uh.